I have to say to British Columbians, come on, you're better than that. Scolded by the Premier. COVID crowds get a stern talking to, but will BC back it up with enforcement? If it means policing and fines, so be it. Plus new pandemic restrictions. We need you to keep your groups small. The latest cases as Bonnie Henry steps up the rules. And release the Kraken. Seattle's NHL team finally gets a name, but what is it? Seattle Kraken, what does that mean? You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. New pandemic rules are coming as community transmission continues to spread. BC's top doctor today announced plans to limit the number of people at vacation rentals, including Airbnb and houseboats. As Paul Johnson reports, restaurants, bars and nightclubs are also being targeted for tighter restrictions. Dining al fresco is delightful any summer. But in the time of COVID-19, it's a lifeline for a lot of restaurants. We miss having people in our space more than anything. At Livio Forno e Vino on Vancouver's Commercial Drive, their ability to expand out onto the sidewalk with a new patio has saved their summer business. Going forward, the challenge is staying nimble, keeping their customers happy while staying in compliance with Victoria. We see it as a lot as an education practice. Uh, things are changing for everyone and we're doing our best to kind of try and pivot and provide safe environments. Keep your groups small. That is what is going to prevent transmission. The province's fine tuning of the rules for restaurants and bars means tables can have parties of no more than six people. There's no pushing of tables together. Everyone has to stay seated and there's no self-service of alcohol. And restaurants aren't the only businesses having to get up to speed on new rules. Elsewhere in the service sector, houseboat operations and landlords with vacation rentals are expecting new restrictions soon to be announced aimed at keeping groups small and away from one another. We drove all over the lower mainland collecting these old windows. But new challenges can inspire ingenuity. Check out the elegant solution they came up with at Livia. Instead of sterile plexiglass dividers, vintage window frames are helping to protect diners. And the side-by-side -side seating is reminiscent of the Europe nobody is getting to this summer. In East Van, Paul Johnson, Global News. All right, let's get a look at today's numbers. We have 30 new cases, bringing our total to 3,392. Sadly, one more person has lost their life, which means 190 people have now died from COVID-19 complications. 16 people are in hospital, three of them in ICU. 2,898 are considered fully recovered, leaving us with 304 active cases. Keith Baldry joins us now to discuss a hot topic when it comes to COVID-19, masks and whether they should be mandatory. And Keith, one doctor is actually taking legal action to make it so. What are we hearing from uh, the top doctor in B.C. tonight? 
Yeah, interesting. A, a, a family doctor in Burnaby has gone to BC Supreme Court filing a, an application for an injunction uh, that requiring um, masks to be worn mandatory in indoor establishments such as restaurants, uh, public transit, uh, schools as well. Uh, this topic never goes away. And Dr. Bonnie Henry's strategy and advice on masks has changed since the beginning when it really was sort of an afterthought. It's now part of the whole protocols, but it's not the most important one. And again, she's very reluctant to uh, invoke a mandatory rule. She thinks that's heavy-handed, and she explains why masks, in her view, really aren't required in all cases. Here's the doctor. We also look at the data around the world and where these are most effective. And we do not have a lot of community spread. We have, uh, we know exactly, well, we know fairly well, the, the types of situations where uh, we are seeing spread of this virus in our communities. So right now, I do not believe that there's sufficient community spread that we are at that point where um, mandatory masking, which is a rather heavy-handed approach, is needed. And the one thing Dr. Bonnie Henry is not is she's not heavy-handed. She wants people to buy into her policies, not uh, be forced into them. One other note is took a deep dive into the last 200 cases going back to that Kelowna outbreak, Sophie. And I added it all up. More than half for the first time of, of a cluster of cases are young people under 40. 73 of the last 200 are aged between 20 and 29. That shows you no age group is immune from this virus. Absolutely not. All right, thanks for that, Keith. A petition has been launched to make masks mandatory for passengers on transit. Currently, TransLink and BC Transit are encouraging people to wear masks while on board buses, West Coast Express, SkyTrain and SeaBus, but it's not required. And that has prompted a Vancouver Transit user to launch a change.org petition. She says she doesn't feel safe on board the only means of transportation she can afford, but public health officials have no plans to make masks mandatory in BC. It causes me a lot of anxiety. Um, I get lucky. Sometimes my bus is pretty empty, especially in the morning, but definitely when I'm on my way home from work is when I get the most uh, anxious. Well, I want uh, Dr. Bonnie and Kennedy, uh, Mayor Kennedy, to do something about this. Uh, TransLink is following their guidelines, so they have to be the ones to take leadership and keep their citizens safe. When I go uh, to uh, grocery stores and uh, when I go on transit, I wear a mask and uh, I uh, would encourage people to do so in those circumstances. It's the view of public health based on the evidence that, uh, that a mandate is not desirable at this time. Other Canadian cities have mandated masks on public transit, including Toronto. Edmonton and Calgary will require them starting August 1st. Quebec was the first province to require masks be worn inside all public spaces. Well, don't anticipate a crackdown by the government when it comes to enforcing COVID-19 public health protocols. Despite an uptick in the number of active cases in B.C. in recent weeks, largely due to gatherings involving young people, the Premier says peer pressure and education are more effective than any mandatory order. Richard Zussman has more. It's been a week of COVID frustration, from drum circles to new cases linked to hotel parties in Kelowna. And now this message from Premier John Horgan. I have to say to British Columbians, come on, you're better than that. Horgan taking media questions for the first time since Dr. Bonnie Henry warned British Columbia is at a tipping point of an explosion of new COVID cases. But even so, 
the Premier unwilling to crack down on rule breakers. I just do not believe that a uh, that prescribing behaviour uh, and penalising people for bad behaviour is where we're at right now. This as there's a growing sentiment out there to punish those who don't follow the guidelines. Young generations forget this yeah. very easily. It's best to get in the mood and then they just yeah. keep on doing what they need to do and forget the consequences. Yeah. We're in unusual times. This is a pandemic and it's not going away. The power to enforce the rules and fine comes down to the provincial government with the powers of the provincial state of emergency. But for now, Premier Horgan and Dr. Bonnie Henry say they're going to leave it to personal responsibility. I'm doing it in a way that I would talk to my own uh, children who are now in, uh, in their, just in their 30s. And uh, I appeal to their common sense and uh, how they were brought up. Uh, respect other people. Right now we have to support each other to continue to keep our numbers and groups of people that we're with small. And with more young people getting sick, Horgan is hoping that message will be more powerful than any fine. When your, your buddies uh, uh, contract COVID-19, that gets your attention pretty quickly. But it may not be quick enough. Liberal leader Andrew Wilkinson not sure pushing personal responsibility will work forever. When we see people more or less ignoring the guidelines, you have to wonder, is it going to take more than common sense or guidelines? Will there have to be enforcement? Then there's some out-of-the-box thinking, including Dr. Henry asked Thursday whether she will show up on a beach with a blowhorn to get people to physically distance. A suggestion she chuckled aside, saying this. Uh, that, that's never been my style. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. A sentencing hearing has wrapped up for the young man convicted of killing a Vancouver couple in their home in 2017. In court today, the defense attorney for Rocky Rambo Waynem Cam tried to convince the judge that giving the killer 50 years with no possibility of parole would not protect the public. Rumina Dea has more. Any last words the judge asks the killer? I, um, no. I think I'm good, thanks, he replies. Defense arguing a life sentence with no consideration for parole for 25 years is still life because there's no guarantee Rocky Rambo Waynam Cam would be released. Crown seeking a consecutive sentence for double murder, 50 years before Cam would be eligible to apply for parole, making him 75 years old. I would love to know um, what, what was his motivation. We all would. We don't think we're going to get to know that. Diana Maud Jones's closest friends, who danced with her for more than two decades, still struggling to make sense of why Cam unleashed such violence on Maud Jones and her husband, Richard. It was a random act. It was just what he was thinking. He thought maybe it'd be wonderful to feel like, what's it feel like to stab people? What does it feel like to be this person? There is no evidence that Cam is incapable of rehabilitation, says defense, adding the best way to protect society is to understand why Cam did this so it doesn't happen again. Madam Justice Giroux must now determine whether a consecutive sentence of 50 years before parole eligibility is warranted, weighing several factors, including were the murders exceptionally egregious and were they independent of each other even though they took place in the same home? For Ma Jones's friends, the only fair sentence is consecutive, but there's something else they desire. I would like him to understand why he did this. 
I would like somebody to be able to reach him. The judge will hand down her decision Tuesday. Romina Dea, Global News. Surrey RCMP have taken over the investigation into a fatal fire this morning in Wally. Two seniors were found dead inside the home on 125 B Street and Old Yale Road just after 4 o'clock. The first people on the scene were neighbors who tried to save the man and woman inside. Neighbors say the couple were longtime Wally residents who served the community through charitable endeavors. Flames are getting quite big, and if you can just see the houses and the even our electricity, the wiring is so low here, uh, you're just scared that another house doesn't catch on fire very easily. So we were just alerting all the neighbors immediately to the houses, getting them up and saying, hey, time to get out. Very narrow street. We have 11 trucks here, uh, really challenging. The property itself is extremely challenging because there's a lot of debris. So it was a really challenging uh, fire to get to. There was a lot of stuff in the front yard and throughout the home. The identity of the deceased has not been released and the cause of the fire remains under investigation. Well, drivers will want to be more careful about opening their doors from now on following a move by the B.C. government. The province is significantly increasing the fine for opening the door of a parked car when it's not safe to do so. It's something called dooring. Cycling advocates have been calling for stricter penalties since January of, of 2019 when a 55-year-old cyclist was killed in Vancouver after a door that opened suddenly forced him into the path of a dump truck. The new fine for opening a door door unsafely will be $368, more than four times the current fine. Amount is a very uh, positive step forward, but that is not what's going to help us. What's going to help us is building more safer infrastructure. So that's what we are hoping that the ministry will invest more resources in building safer infrastructure, not just for people cycling, but also people walking and other vulnerable road users. In BC, we spend under $2 per person per year on active transportation. And in other places like the Netherlands, they spend around $38 per person per year on active transportation. So we have long ways to go. Well, we now know the new name of Seattle's NHL team. The big reveal happened this morning. They will officially be known as the Kraken. So what is a Kraken? The history behind the new name and logo and who would win in a battle between an orca and a kraken. That's in just over a minute. A blind man's driving dream comes true. How he gained his sight and a Corvette coming up on the news hour. Plus, drivers do a double take in Surrey when they pass by this strange sight. What it was later. Right now, though, we now know the name of the Canucks' newest Pacific Division rival. The Seattle Kraken will get cracking in the 2021-2022 season. As Ted Chernecki reports, the trash talking has already begun. There's been something fishy in the air these past few weeks as rumors surfaced that Seattle was finally going to reveal the official name of its NHL team. We are proud to give you... The Seattle Kraken. Say what? An online program went on for five hours explaining why they chose a mythical sea creature and what the colors of the jerseys represent. They talked about the extensive marketing that went into the name, and they announced the whole thing at center ice of their new arena that's guaranteed sellouts. 32,000 depositors creating the 32nd franchise. 10,000 deposits in the first 10 minutes. And now... 40,000 people 
on the waiting list. Several times they referenced the Stanley Cup won in 1917 by the Seattle Metropolitans. We will wear the S on the streets of Seattle once again. And we can't wait to join you inside this beautiful arena for the inaugural puck drop of your Seattle Kraken. And indeed, you can already go online and purchase team merchandise. All proceeds going to disadvantaged, visible minorities. The stylized S is similar to the one worn by the Metropolitans. After they won the Cup in 1917, two years later, the Stanley Cup was cancelled as Seattle and Montreal players got really sick with the Spanish flu. One Montreal player even died. An ominous reminder in today's pandemic. Engage. Nevertheless, let the rivalry and trash talking begin. Already someone's posted an old video game showing a Kraken defeating an orca. Kraken? Sounds... it's interesting. Uh, the name? Yeah. Thumbs down. The team? Thumbs up. More like SpongeBob SquarePants than Kraken welcomes Squidwards, tweeted the Canucks. Until this worldwide pandemic is resolved, though, it'll be all talk and no action. Kraken does have some time on its side as it joins the NHL for the 2021-22 season. Ted Chernacki, Global News. Well, I said yesterday I liked the Kraken. I told you they can start every game by saying let's get Kraken. Let's get Kraken. Probably an egg producer could sponsor that. It pretty there, much writes itself. Really. There you go. Okay, so the Canucks, the Kraken, <laughs> it sounds like a rivalry. Well, it's the first time since they've been in the NHL that the Canucks will have a short road trip. This is a real geographical rival. We were asking ourselves, who is the Canucks' true rival? And it seems to switch. I mean, everybody hated Boston when the Bruins beat them in 2011 and the Rangers in 1994. And they've had some good series with the Calgary Flames. But the Flames are really the Oilers' rival. Mm -hmm. So the Canucks really have not had a true geographical rival until now. So When they open the border. Yes, well, when they open the border. But let's just say the border will be open by the time the Kraken start in October of 2011. I, I 21, sort of, 21. 21. Yeah. Why not? Okay. I don't know. Okay, whatever. I live in the past. But when you think about it, the Sounders and the Whitecaps have had that rivalry since the 70s. And fans in the Whitecaps go down and watch the games in Seattle and mm -hmm. vice versa. You will see the same thing now with the Kraken and the Canucks. The I-5 rivalry. And you notice that every Seattle team has something to do with the C. Sounders. Mariners, well, Seahawks, yeah. and Kraken. There's a theme. All right. Supersonics went against that, but they're no longer around. So Thanks, Squire. And if that logo looks familiar, you're going to explain to us why. Yes, it does look familiar. Okay. Very familiar. We'll talk to you in a bit. Okay. Well, if you've always wanted to turn your home into a personal Jurassic Park, you're going to want to get onto your computer next month. <laughs> Able Auctions will be selling off nearly 100 life-sized animatronic dinosaurs, including T-Rex, Brontosaurus, and Raptors. Also on the block for the online-only auction, hundreds of fossils, other animatronic equipment, and lighting. The huge stock is from a Richmond company that toured the world putting on dinosaur exhibits until it went bankrupt because of the pandemic. Most of them move, they've got um, accurate sound effects, so each dinosaur has its own controller specific to its motions and it's the sounds that it would have made in nature. You know, a lot of theme parks, um, some museums, we've got individuals that are interested for their backyard. We've had anything from uh, a dinosaur specialty liquor store. Um, we've had dinosaur restaurants uh, want them. Uh, we've got just about anything you can imagine, any kind of business you can imagine has wanted them. 
The auction is Thursday, August the 6th. If you're interested, you'll need to sign up for an online account first. A second lawsuit is launched against a Kelowna Mountie. Brought it all back and broke my heart. The officer at the center of this video facing new legal trouble. Also ahead, disappointment for family of the Nova Scotia shooting victims. Why some say an announcement today is a slap in the face. Traffic is steady over here tonight at the Alex Fraser Bridge north and south, but do keep in mind of overnight lane closures for maintenance between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. Sussex Insurance are your auto plan experts for insurance renewals, changes, or other ICBC transactions all from home. Just visit sussexinsurance.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Chilliwack RCMP are showing off weapons, drugs and cash seized when they busted an alleged dial-a-dope operation. An investigation led police to a home where they found cocaine, cash, drug paraphernalia and 11 guns. They also seized two vehicles. Two people were arrested. One is still in custody. Police say this investigation started when someone walked up to their front counter and reported something suspicious. They're reminding anyone who sees any unusual activity to contact police or Crime Stoppers. The Kelowna RCMP officer who was caught on video dragging a UBC Okanagan nursing student down the hallway is facing a second lawsuit. Another woman has now stepped forward with the story of her arrest. And as Global's Jules Knox reports, she alleges the same constable subjected her to abuse. It was a walk home Fiona Reed will never forget. On January 1st, 2016, she says she felt unsafe in the street late at night when a cop car pulled up beside her, and so she approached the officer to ask for help. And the next thing I know, she flipped me around, and I'm face down with my hair being pulled at the back and being bashed into the road. Reed alleges she was then handcuffed and taken to the Kelowna detachment, where she spent six hours in a cell. I am just just in shock because I don't know what's happening to me. I've never been in trouble in my life. Reed says she was charged with resisting arrest and assault, charges that were later dropped. I didn't do anything to instigate, and I don't know what a person could do to instigate getting their head smashed into the ground. She says she later learned that the police officer was Constable Lacey Browning, the same cop that dragged UBC Okanagan student Mona Wang down the hallway during a wellness check. It just brought it all back and broke my heart. It made me feel like this, this did happen to me, that this person was capable of doing this. Watching that video prompted Reed to step forward with her story. She's now filed a civil lawsuit against BC's public safety minister, the federal attorney general, and Browning. I don't think she should ever be a police officer again. I don't see how there's any forgiveness. RCMP say Browning is now on administrative leave and the allegations are under review. The defendants in the case have not filed a response to Reed's claim and it's important to note that none of the allegations have been proven in court. Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna. Up next, the deepening crisis in the United States. I will never wish this for anyone to go through. The record numbers and the hardest hit areas also coming up. I'm seeing everything for the first time, really. 
He was blind, but now he sees how an Alberta man got his sight and a driver's license for the very first time. here for BC Ferries at Tawasson tonight. The 7 p.m. to Swartz Bay is just over half full. The 6.45 to Southern Gulf Islands is 99% full. The 8.15 to Duke Point is sold out. The 10.45 sailing is at three quarters capacity. The all-electric 2020 Chevrolet Bolt DLT offers an estimated 417 kilometer range and up to $10,729 in total credits during employee pricing. I'm Trish Wilson in Global One, high above the Tawasson Ferry Terminal. A former Nazi concentration camp guard was convicted today for his involvement in thousands of deaths during the Second World War. 93-year-old Bruno Day was handed a suspended two-year sentence in what is likely one of the last cases against Nazi-era crimes. He was charged as an accessory in the murders of 5,232 prisoners at the Stutthof camp in what is now Poland. Day was 17 or 18 at the time and apologized for the suffering the victims went through, but stopped short of taking responsibility. Disappointment and anger in Nova Scotia. A day after families of the victims of April's shooting spree made and a unified call for a public inquiry, the provincial and federal governments have gone in another direction, announcing a review panel to look into what happened. Global's Alicia Drouse has the details. The federal and Nova Scotia governments have appointed a three-person panel to review the circumstances of April's shooting spree. Their review will include a comprehensive look into the causes, context and the circumstances that gave rise to the terrible and tragic events. It's aimed at looking into the gunman and his past, the involvement of gender-based and intimate partner violence, as well as the RCMP's response and communications with the public, victims and their family. But the review will not have any ability to compel witnesses to testify under oath. I believe that there's questions that have to be answered and I think they need to be answered under oath. A public inquiry would hold more power, which is what many had been calling for. And just a day before this review was announced, hundreds, including family members of the victims, marched, demanding a public inquiry. All the families all support this and uh, we want a public inquiry. And we don't want a probe, we don't want analyzed, we want a public inquiry. The tragedy left 22 people dead over a span of nearly 100 kilometres and has raised numerous questions, from how the gunman was able to obtain weapons and why warning signs of the gunman's violent past slipped through the cracks, to why residents in the area weren't alerted to the fact a gunman was on the loose. We've heard the calls for answers and know that the survivors, families of the victims and the broader public want a process to get answers. While Minister Fury indicated a review was chosen so victims' families wouldn't be re-traumatized, a statement on behalf of the families released Thursday called the review disappointing, saying they want to participate, not be protected. Still, both governments say they considered all options but decided a review would be most appropriate. We have an opportunity for, for an earlier approach, uh, earlier resolutions and, an, and a greater opportunity to make change uh, much quicker than we could through the inquiry process. Alicia Drouse, Global News, Halifax. Another grim milestone in the U.S. where there are now officially 4 million cases of COVID-19. And for a second day in a row, more than 1,100 deaths.
Officially eclipsing 4 million infections, tonight the true number of COVID cases in the U.S. is without doubt significantly higher. The new milestone reached today as a top health official sounds the alarm for 11 American cities in trouble after testing results came back from metro areas like Cleveland, Columbus, Minneapolis and New Orleans. Dr. Deborah Burks, in a private call obtained by the Center for Public Integrity, warned local leaders they need to take aggressive steps to mitigate their outbreaks. We're tracking this very closely. Uh, we're working with um, the state officials to make sure we're responding together. The push to take quick action, no surprise to the mayor of Indianapolis, where the pandemic has exploded. Over the last week, our city's positivity rate has jumped by nearly 50%. As states like Florida set new hospitalizations and death records, in hard-hit Texas, morgues are so overwhelmed, refrigerator trucks are arriving in one county to store the dead. Right now, we have a crisis. 35 people have passed away just today, maybe more. For some, the virus testing their faith after 13 sisters who belong to the same Michigan convent lost their lives to COVID. After 8,000 deaths in California, here in Los Angeles, one of the nation's most dangerous hotspots, transmissions may be leveling off. Perhaps hope on the horizon. In Health Matters tonight, the province has announced a major funding boost for nine post-secondary institutions to go toward their health care programs. Among them, Vancouver Community College with $750,000 to expand its practical nursing program. And BCIT is receiving more than $200,000 for advanced training for registered nurses. More than $4.4 million has been promised to BC's health profession and training programs this week in hopes of bringing in thousands of much-needed professionals into the sector. Programs like this help people follow their dreams. With additional education and training, people in this province can build on their skills and experience to help them get into in-demand jobs and give back to their communities, while also helping us build back our economy. Up next, the broadcasters of tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Kids learning the magic of television with pandemic precautions. And later, why the Seattle Kraken logo may look suspiciously similar to something you see in Vancouver. Give a shout out, tag posts with hashtag BC Healthcare Heroes or email bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca to share with Global News. BC Healthcare Heroes in partnership with Fortis BC, caring for the BC communities where we live and work. An unusual sighting in Surrey this morning. Reports of a live tiger being walked down the street. Well, they were partly right. We'll explain right after Christie's forecast. But just before we get to Christie, they have had to make some major changes and cut the number of participants. But despite COVID-19, one high-tech kids camp has managed to open the doors this summer. Catherine Urquhart reports. Lights, camera. Action! They may be the future filmmakers and broadcasters of tomorrow. What's your favorite food? Um, pizza. At BCIT, broadcasting summer camps are underway. Although this year, they're different. There's a little hand washing. And then there's a bit more. And later, more cleaning. 
part of the many safety protocols in place amid the global pandemic. The hardest part, I would say, is just keeping uh, kids to be actually stay away from each other because the nature of them is just to have fun. They want to run around. They want they they, they usually are not aware of the risks uh, that are involved with running a camp like this. 11-year-old Enric is among the 10 kids participating in the $579 week-long camp. I am planning on making a film about um, about this guy named Ben who got abducted by a bunch of rad, bad aliens. I'm learning how to film in angles that makes the video better because I want to have a YouTube channel and make videos. Kids learn new skills, get a break from today's stresses, and perhaps a career head start. My favorite color is green. My favorite animal is birds. Okay, animal is cool too. Nice. Well, that's it for the Enric Show. See you next time. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. A bizarre sight along a busy Surrey Street during the morning rush. We'll get to that right after the forecast, but I'm jumping ahead of myself, Christy. Uh, taking a look at the weather forecast, little bit dull today, but there's promise on the way for the forecast. <laughs> That's it. That's a nice way of saying it. Yeah, it's a little bit dull today. Yes, yeah, certainly more cloud cover. I always like to see some cloud cover in the mix with some sunshine through the summer. Keeps that forest fire concern down. Um, not all areas, though, saw were dull today. Here's a look at Slocan Lake. A stunning day. Thank you to David for that great shot. And another one from that same area showing the Slocan River. Thank you to Rob for that one. So, yeah, lots of blue sky in through the interior, southern interior today. That cloud cover really spreading from the south coast up into the central interior and there's a number of thunderstorms rolling across uh, sort of the Cornell Williams Lake region right now. Looks like things are starting to ease off for you. Now tomorrow morning we have a chance of showers in many parts of the province from the BC Peace River region down through the Columbia into the Thompson area and even across the south coast. Best chance of seeing those showers for the lower mainland will be out through the Fraser Valley for Metro Vancouver. It really is only a slight chance similar to what we saw today. Thicker cloud and and then that slight chance of showers, but things brighten up in the afternoon. So sunshine by Friday afternoon into Saturday morning for most areas. There's your Friday forecast. Again, the showers from the BC Peace River region through the central interior, just touching down into the Thompson region. Whistler, Hope will also see that. But for our region, mainly just a bit of cloud in the morning and sunshine by the afternoon. And it is here to stay. It looks like right through until Tuesday. And it's really going to uh, heat up on Sunday and Monday, Sophie. And I'll leave you with your central windows weather window from the Port Renfrew area. Beautiful shot. Someone was hiking along. Ryan was hiking along and the sun was coming through the uh, trees there. It's one of my most favorite images uh, as I'm hiking along and seeing that sun come. Wow, right, oh, that is you. gorgeous. Nice shot. Thank you very much, Christy. Now to that bizarre sight along a busy Surrey street during the morning rush. Some people were saying it's uh, a real tiger walking down the street. That's what I thought. <laughs> Well, commuters were certainly startled when they saw what looked like a tiger being walked down Fraser Highway between 148th and 152 streets. A local radio station then reported the animal sighting as part of its traffic report. That just added fuel to the fire. When global cameraman Tony Clark, Tony the Tiger, arrived on scene, what he found was not an actual big cat, but just a large stuffed toy being taken for a walk. Oh. Come on, did people really think that was a real tiger? 
Well, I guess if you're driving by and you just sort of see it out of the corner of your eye, maybe. I don't know. And it, it was in a baby carriage, too. I know. <laughs> no self-respecting tiger would ever exactly. be pushed by a human in a baby carriage down a street. Do you like that we sent Tony the tiger? To... I got that. Yeah. Okay. Nice. I like that one. Thank you. Uh, hey, the Whitecaps had to play early this morning. They had a strategy for their final game at this tournament against Chicago, and it's not their final game. They stayed alive. It worked, guys. It worked. And I say that with a lot of humility. I guess I could have broken into the old BG song, but they did stay alive. They finally had a good day and they lived to play again. Also ahead tonight, how an Alberta man went from legally blind to fully licensed Corvette driver. We'll explain. All right, Squire. Yes. Let's get cracking. Nice. Nice. Uh, <laughs> thank, you. thank you. Distant drummer. Uh, since they are playing at Disney, a Disney property, Disney World, perhaps it makes sense the Whitecaps could be the Cinderella story of this Major League Soccer tournament. With one game left in the round robin and on the verge of being turned into pumpkins, the Whitecaps were saved with a two-goal win over Chicago, which means they stay in the tournament. The game is over, and the Whitecaps have taken third place in Group B incredibly. Who could have predicted that? The Whitecaps, playing with a roster held together by duct tape, reached deep down to pull off an improbable 2-0 win over Chicago and just sneak in to the knockout stage of the tournament. It was a bizarre game, interrupted for 90 minutes by a weather delay, but when play resumed, lightning struck twice for the Caps. First Jordy Reyna, and then Christian Dahomey six minutes later. Both came on as subs and gave the Caps the jolt they needed to advance to the next round. They have their second incredible! The process was first we have to defend very well. And once we get that right and we tire Chicago, we knew we had weapons on the bench to, to, to win. Today, it worked, and it uh, doesn't mean it's going to work every day, but today it did. The Caps also caught a break. This Chicago goal initially stood, but after video review was disallowed for a handball. Vancouver's 21-year-old rookie goalkeeper Thomas Hassal got his first MLS start with Max Crapo out with a broken thumb. The kid made some big saves and got some fortunate misses from the fire, but in the end, celebrates his first MLS win with a shutout. It was really special, for sure. I've never been part of a group that was more excited, put in more work for this game to get a result like that. With so many key guys out of the lineup, no one would have laid blame had the Whitecaps bowed out of the tournament, but they refused to go quietly. And that says something about this young team. That's what they learned today. They learned that, man, we could stretch our limits to, in such a way that it's gonna allow us to go somewhere. Now the Caps are into the knockout stage on Sunday. Can they shock everyone again? Well, why not? If we're here, if we're in the last 16, why shouldn't we dream about going further one game at a time? And uh, that has to be our intention. Well, now that Seattle's hockey team is the Kraken, they actually picked that name, incidentally, way back in January, but they did a remarkable job keeping it quiet until today. Seattle, of course, gives the Vancouver Canucks a geographic rival, which is something the Canucks have never had since joining the NHL. But there is a Vancouver landmark 
that a lot of us have seen that has a logo that looks very much like Seattle's logo for the Kraken. The Sylvia Hotel across from English Bay might become a gathering spot for Kraken fans who travel to Vancouver to watch their team play the Canucks because the S logo looks a lot like the Kraken logo. Now this Sylvia Hotel logo was around a long time before the Kraken arrived, but I guarantee you Seattle visitors when they're allowed back in Canada will take selfies in front of this S because it looks like the Kraken. All right, baseball's back, Washington. The champs against the Yankees. No fans, of course. Giancarlo Stanton, a home run. Somebody would have caught that ball, but nobody tonight. It's a two-run shot. Judge scored as well. 2-0 for New York. Then Stanton again with the score 3-run. 3-1 makes that, drives in a run with the bases loaded. They are in a weather delay, though. 4-1 Yankees in the sixth. PGA stop in Minneapolis, the 3M Open. The great story here. Calgary's Aaron Crawford qualified on Monday for the tournament. This year he's been caddying to make ends meet. He's been caddying for American Martin Trainer, but he can play too. Long birdie attempt within two feet. Pulls the flag like a caddy would. Shot 269, which was five shots better than Trainer, the guy he was caddying for, who shot 74. Roger Sloan is at 69. And there you go. All right. Thank you, Squire. Let's check in with Jada Rant now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jay? Thanks very much, Sophie. We're going to dig a little deeper into the mask debate. A petition has been launched to make them mandatory on transits, and a Burnaby doctor is seeking a court injunction to expand that requirement to include indoor spaces such as restaurants, malls, and schools. We'll look at what the likelihood is that mandatory masks will actually happen here in B.C. We'll have that story and a lot more when you join us tonight at 11. Sounds good. Thanks, Jay. Tonight's Healthcare Hero is up next, plus a real joy ride. How a blind man realized his dream of driving. Stay with us. We try to flatten our COVID-19 curve back down in BC. We want to pause and thank more of our BC Healthcare Heroes. Tonight's nomination comes from Kelly Greville, and Kelly is nominating her two daughters. Her daughter, Emma Greville, works as a nurse at Cowichan District Hospital. Kelly says Emma has endured many long shifts, scratchy face masks and pain behind her ears from those masks. But she always manages to have a smile on her face and is dedicated to her job. Kelly also wanted to recognize her daughter, Charlie, who works as an inpatient speech language pathologist at the Stollery Hospital in Edmonton. Charlie was supposed to be married last month in Victoria, but the ceremony as planned had to be cancelled due to COVID-19. Instead, she drove out with her fiancé and they had a tiny elopement. Congratulations, by the way. Kelly says she's been so desperate to hug her girls, she's even resorted to using a garbage bag to get one in, although it was quick because she was worried Charlie couldn't breathe under there. Emma and Charlie, your mom wants you to know you are both her healthcare heroes, and we thank you for your selfless dedication during this uncertain time. If you have a BC Healthcare Hero you'd like to see recognized, send an email to bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca. Send us a few pictures and some details about why they are your hero, and we just might feature them next. Well, getting your driver's license comes with a sense of freedom, and a man from Alberta is really embracing the open road because he never expected to get behind the wheel. Global's Jill Croteau explains. It was an indulgent dream, a vision he only ever fantasized about. 
some people said, oh, it's Alberta, you need a truck. And I like trucks, they're nice. Uh, everybody's got a truck. Mike Shikarowski wanted something with a wow. He always had his sights set on a flashy sports car and invested in a Corvette, the color racing yellow. I just had to have that one. So I went out, I bought it unseen. Buying it without seeing it was one thing, but he settled the deal even before he had his driver's license. Mike is a newly minted driver. He just passed his test two weeks ago. It was overwhelming to, to think that I was doing it at that age. That age is 44 years old. The father of three had to wait so long because he didn't have a choice. Up until about a year and a half ago, he couldn't see. He'd been legally blind his whole life. I accepted this is it for the rest of my life. But he took a chance on an experimental trial with a doctor in California, a surgery to repair his sight. It worked. Well, it's been mind-boggling. I mean, it's, it's absolutely incredible. I'm seeing it, everything for the first time. It was beautiful to see, but it was more the realization that I had missed it my whole life. Mike was born with nystagmus. The condition meant the only thing he really could see was smudges or blurs. When life finally came into focus, quite literally, everything changed. It was hard to believe that it had happened. I mean, it was an emotional breakdown. My mom was bawling. My wife was ecstatic. It, just, it was never supposed to happen, right? Lived my whole life. Witnessing all of those firsts, you know, at the age of 43, 44 years old, it's been, it's been, yeah, it's been a miracle. There's all these things that he says where he'll have seen something for the first time and it's this constant dialogue where we say back and forth, that's crazy, that is so crazy. He's excited to see what the future brings, an awakening to a whole new life. So far, the view from here is pretty perfect. In Sylvan Lake, Jill Croteau, Global News. Well, he might become disenchanted with traffic when he has to sit in rush hour, but that's great that he's able to live out that dream. All right, let's check in with uh, Christy for a final word on the weather. Christy? Thanks. So, so cloud cover moving in overnight, and we have a very slight chance of showers tomorrow morning. Fraser Valley, a bit of a uh, better chance of showers, but all areas back to sunshine by the afternoon, and that includes areas in the interior. All of BC has lots of sunshine on the way for our Saturday, so a great weekend ahead. All right, thanks very much. That's all the time we have tonight. Have a good night, all.